0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org.
1: Pray. <laughs> Y'all are ridiculous. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Just a little um, uh, story. that am um, grateful that our community um, understands rest, understands the grace of the Lord and the fact that this is not um, works-based Christianity, um, we, we can rest in, in the Lord and his yoke is easy. Um, uh, there were three songs this morning that were all written by New Day members here. It was just crazy. It so, so great. Um, and Carrie, you don't know this, but I, um, that song that Mary Lee uh, wrote, um, she wrote probably four years ago, four or five years, something a while back. Um, I asked her for that chart like a week ago cause I wanted to do it here, <laughs> but like that we're in a spot where we, we need the rest of the Lord. We need to know that his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Um, yeah, he's gentle. Um, Today, I'm going to talk about the gospel. It's my favorite topic. It's the thing that we need to talk about more. Justin's laughing, but, it's, you know, I, <laughs> the, um, that's what we need to talk about. It's the most important message. Paul said um, to one of the churches that he was writing letters to, he said, I resolve to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Like, you want to talk about anything else? No, we're, we're talking about Jesus, because if we get that right, we get what he did right and what we're supposed to do because of what he did right, everything else falls into place. Like that's the most important thing. Um, So today's not going to be a 10 principles to live a great life message. Um, It's, we're going to talk about what the Lord has done um, and what, how great his mercy is and what we as recipients should do about it. Um, If you have your Bibles this morning, um, we're going to be in Romans 6. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture and we're not going to apologize for it. Uh, we're going to lean into it. Um, I'm not going to say, oh, man, we just pay attention, guys. we got to get through the scripture so that we can get to my opinion on the scripture. Like, that is, <laughs> the most important part of this message here is going to be the scriptures that are on the screen, the scriptures that are in, in your Bibles. If we get that, it doesn't really matter what I say. Like, let's get what the Lord wants to say this morning. Um, boy, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm excited. Um, we, we talked um, about six weeks ago. We did a month month long series on God's character, how He introduces Himself. We said that He's gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who He wants us to know about His. That's what He wants us to know about His character. That's that's important. Um, we learned He's He's He has radical forgiveness radical mercy that goes so far beyond our framework for what adequate forgiveness is, right? A disciple came up to Jesus and said, how much should I forgive somebody? Like seven times and then we can cut them off, right? And, and Jesus is like, you're not even in the right, you know, ballpark here. Take whatever you just said, multiply it by 70, like, and then you'll get closer to the forgiveness that, that the Lord offers, right? Like, That's God's forgiveness 490 times. Enough that you you lose track. Um, That's the Lord's standard. Um, And in Romans, Paul is talking about the mercy of God. He's describing it in great detail, in all of its magnitude. And it's getting people excited. Um, And he's contrasting that with the sinfulness of man. Say, you guys are. Wretched. You know that song, Amazing Grace? Paul didn't say this, but you know that song, Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me? Yeah, you guys are the wretches that that song is talking about, right? <laughs> and, and it's that depravity and that sinfulness contrasted with the amazing forgiveness of God that is his glory, that is his majesty, right? His mercy is a part of what makes him so, so good and what makes this gospel good news, It's not that you were good enough. And so God was like, oh yeah, you earn earn mercy. You know? Oh yeah. You know, you you almost made it across the finish line. I'll just give you a little nudge, right? That's not, we were, you know, how great the chasm that lay between us. It was massive. And people are asking him, as Paul is describing this, uh, this mercy, people are asking him, Paul... If God's going to forgive us for whatever we do, shouldn't we sin a little bit more? That would make our testimony even better, right? Right? And we look at that and we go chuckle, you know, like that's funny, right? Um, I'll be honest, as a homeschooled pastor's kid who was barely allowed to watch Disney movies as a kid, I... The thought has run through my mind. Boy, I wish my testimony was better. I wish, I wish I had a story like my drug addicted friend Charlie, when he came to the Lord. He has all these. He he was literally in chains, had piercings all over him, and and when he came to the Lord, like you could see this miraculous difference. He was unrecognizable when the, the Holy Spirit touched him and changed his life, completely unrecognizable. And I go, look at that. And boy, when he gets up to speak, boy, people get down to the altar. Boy, when, when people see the change that God made in his life, like, boy, that looks really good. There's that contrast there. And I wish, boy, my life had that sort of like visible contrast. You know, versus like, oh, you know, Peter just always seems like a good kid, you know, as you know, and you know because we hit it really well as kids, you know <laughs> in front of in front of people who didn't know the Lord, you know we gotta <laughs> gotta look great, you know <laughs> I should sin more to show off his forgiveness, and so what should the church say to people who are struggling with this idea, or to people who are looking at the forgiveness of God and saying God, does God really care if, you know, I spend this weekend blackout drunk, you know, or, you know, God's in heaven, he's majestic and everything. Does he really care who I sleep with? You know, he's a forgiving God. Nobody's perfect. You know, what should the church say to that? Um, and surely we can't say it's okay to live in sin now that we're believers, right? We We know that, right? Intuitively. So, we have to hold on here before we respond to that person. This is where a lot of teaching can go really wrong. And we can throw out the most important parts of the gospel right here. If we, if, because we're worried that people are going to go out and sin. We're worried that people are going to go out and, and live crazy lives, you know, because God is merciful and God forgives. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness right and so we'll bring out the big guns here we'll say if you commit too many sins you'll cross that moment where there's there's no return right there's going to be an end to his mercy that you don't want to reach the end of you don't want to get to that point you won't you don't want to be out sinning at the sin store You know, and then on the way home, getting a car crash, you know, and then that was it. You didn't have time to repent. You didn't have time to to ask forgiveness for that sin in detail, you know, and you'll be condemned forever. And all of a sudden, our our preaching looks like this. We're at the bottom there. We start unrighteous. And then when we get saved, boink. (laughs) Jesus brings us up, right? And that's the moment of our conversion. (laughs) Maybe it happened at, you know, a summer camp when we were 10, or maybe it happened, you know, during worship this morning or whatever. Boink, there you go. You know, and we're going along and, oh, we sin, we fall. And all of a sudden we're not righteous anymore, right? And so what do we got to do? Boy, we got to bring that to the Lord. We got to confess our sins to him. Faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And hey, we're righteous again, right? <laughs> Boy, because we had a great worship service and we, you know, we went up to the altar and, and, you know, we're righteous again, but oh, we fell again. And this sin was worse than the last sin, right? And so it's going to take more forgiveness for us to just get our head up above water. And a lot of people spend a lot of their Christian life feeling this way, Right? I'm swimming, but I'm just barely keeping my head above the water, right? (laughs) But, oh man, coronavirus 2020 was rough and we haven't been to church in nine months and our life reflects it and boy, we're, but we're we're still smiling, (laughs) Yep. <laughs> yep. Got to keep that smile on, <laughs> right? This is what, this is what the gospel feels like, right? And we got to, we, we got to get resaved at this point, you know, start from scratch, Romans road, sinners prayer, you know, um, this is, this is Christian life for a lot of people. And this right here, this is slavery. This is bondage. This is not freedom, right? The truth is, Oh, I'm excited. When you get saved, boink, same deal. Jesus makes you righteous. But when you sin, when you mess up, no matter how terrible, you stay above the line. And that sin, that consequence, goes on the cross. And it can happen over and over as we stumble. And the, it's nailed to the cross. That song, My Sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. That's the gospel. That's sin, past, present, and future. It's good news. It is good news. The Lord is ready to forgive. Paul says in Romans 5 that righteousness has been credited to your account. It is in the bank. And this is a dangerous idea. That you could sin a thousand times in a thousand ways. Right? And God's grace can still cover. Are we sure that the mercy of the Lord endures forever? Are we sure that the love of the Lord, shown in 1 Corinthians 13, really does keep no record of wrongs? It seems too good to be true. If Christianity was all about behavior modification and about keeping kids in line, right? Right? this would not be what's written in the Bible, right? This would not be the the story, right? We would would want to shame people into good conduct, right? That's (laughs) like, and that's what a lot of religions do. That's what a lot of, of humanistic atheist philosophies do, right? The biggest bat we have is the bat of shame. You know, you do something wrong, oh, bam, you're a bad person. Oh, but you got your life together. You're a good person. There is no limit to the forgiveness that the Lord offers. And Paul is dealing with this in the church of Rome and they're asking these kind of questions. Hold on. What are the ramifications of this amazing forgiveness? Shouldn't we sin even more so that the grace, God's grace shines through Our mess. All right. And so this is what we say in, this is what he says in Romans six. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of our father, we too may live a new life. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Paul says the the reason that we were buried in Christ is so that sin could be removed. So that sin could be done away with completely in, in our bodies. And that's, that's salvation so that we can, Not only get rid of sin, but so that we too may live a new life. Galatians 5 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You can, according to Galatians 5, put yourself back into bondage to sin. You can submit to that yoke again. You can wear the yoke. You can plow the field. <laughs> Paul is saying, you were set free to live in freedom. The next verse here in Romans 6. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. God's not in the business of simply making bad people good. God's in the business of making dead people alive, right? And in the same way that Christ died and rose again and lives for the glory of the Father, we should count ourselves dead to sin, alive in Christ, living for the Lord's glory. This sounds a lot like a verse many of us know in Galatians 2. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I now live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The response to someone who's asking, who's asking these questions, why, why shouldn't I sin more so that God looks better? Is, is so that, it is, that's not why Christ died for you. Christ did not die for you so that he can look good in contrast, right? Christ died so that you can live a new life. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. That's the purpose. And many of us will want to go back to that old life, not realizing the the goodness of life with God, right? And, And Paul is likening this to like wanting, after being resurrected, wanting to go back in your coffin, right? And hang out with the bugs, Right? That's, that's kind of the picture here. Right? Oh, no, I'm good. That's fine. I'm just going to live this new life here in the dead state that I was in before. C.S. Lewis says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in, an, in a slum because he cannot mad, imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea, we're far too easily pleased. Paul is saying, why are you living? Why are you going back to sin when the Lord is offering you something so much better? Living in sin is, is not living at least according to God's standard. It's it's not living. Next verse in Romans 6. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer, everybody say offer, any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. The greatest offering that you could give to the Lord is not something you write on a check that you put in the offering, right? That is, that is not the greatest offering that you could give the offering that is appropriate to give to the Lord is offering yourselves to God, offering every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness, as something the Lord can pick up and play a righteous tune. You know, (laughs) I don't know (laughs) an instrument of righteousness, (laughs) right? The, the greatest worship that you can give the Lord is not a three-hour song session, right? Where tears are coming down our face. The greatest worship that you, can, that you can offer him is living your life for him, right? It's offering your 8 a.m. to him, right? Offering your 10 p.m. to him, your 2 p.m. Each of these Parts of our lives, whether it's by time, whether it's by section, family, career, inner thoughts, habits, everything, every part of our lives offered to Him—that's worship. Not yet. So, what do we call someone who could be given to someone else as a gift? What could what could we call someone that could be offered? to someone else. And this word might be a little offensive this morning, but hold on. It's a slave. Exactly. It's a slave. And that's what Paul's talking about here. And if you don't believe me, here's the next verse. There, there, oh, no, we're not. Yep. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves as someone, to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart, the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. He goes on to say, I'm using an example from your everyday life because of your human limitations. He's saying like your, the, the entirety of your relationship with God is not simply just master slave, right? That's not, that's not everything that's in your relationship with the Lord, but I'm, I'm explaining obedience and worship to you using a metaphor of slavery because that's what it looks like just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness. Now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. And this is not the Lord coming in and conscripting, taking over your free will here. I underlined that five times in the last six verses here in Romans 6, He uses the word offer. He's asking you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. That's your true and proper worship. We just celebrated Independence Day. And as Americans, we love independence. And I love independence. I'm so glad we're independent. You know, it's wonderful. But here's a hard truth to swallow for me. For us as a church, independence is not God's highest calling for you, right? The freedom in God that we get is not independence. Those are not perfect synonyms. God is king, and the greatest freedom that you'll experience comes from a dependent relationship on him. And anything outside of that is not freedom, right? God is the only source of light and hope and joy and peace, right? He is the only source of freedom. And if we as anarchists want to make our own decisions, we are going to by default be slaves to sin. We don't have the ability to be self-sufficient. We don't have the ability to to keep ourselves going. We automatically become a slave to our sinful desires and ever increasing wickedness, right? That's, That's the default. But thanks be to God, he set us free from the power of sin and death. King David said he'd rather live as a doorkeeper in the house of God than to be in the tents of the wicked. Like he'd rather be sweeping sweep the floors in the throne room than to be anywhere, anywhere else. Why? Because the Lord is there, right? You get to be with him. Scripture says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Um, and I love what Romans 11 says. For everything comes from him, exists by his power, and in, is intended for his glory we get this image of, um, of, a, of a galaxy here where the Lord is the center and everything is revolving around him, right? He's, he's the source of, of everything. And the further away we get, like, the more darkness and death and, and hopelessness we experience. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And and we'll quote this verse as if, you know, the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. It's a free gift. We'll, We'll talk about that gift as if it's the cheapest thing in the world. Right? As if it's the the thing of, of least value in the world because, because we get it for free, right? You're not going to take a hold of this gift unless you are following the Lord. There's no way to experience eternal life in Christ Jesus without being in Christ Jesus. Eternal life is not a, a ticket to heaven that you get by saying a prayer in Sunday school. John 17 says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. There is no hope outside of going to the Lord and knowing him, being in relationship with him, being right next to him, experiencing his presence every day, walking in this new life that he gives. The gift is that you get to know God. There's a way back to him as rebels, as outcasts, as orphans. There's a way that we can come back into the family. And if you offer yourselves to the Lord, no strings attached, as a gift to him, you get a benefit. The benefit you get is holiness. The benefit you get is you get to be made set apart, consecrated separated out for his purpose and pleasure right and that is that's the only way that we get to experience eternal life because the Lord is holy the Lord is consecrated, he's set apart he is so other and beyond everything that we see but the benefit that we get is holiness and the result is eternal life So we ought not celebrate our freedom from sin by offering ourselves back to our old master as an instrument of wickedness. That's not why we were set free. We ought to celebrate by remembering the mercy of God, by keeping it in front of our face as much as we can, by living every day in light of what Jesus has done on the cross. That's what it means to, to receive eternal life in Christ Jesus, right? Jesus talked about this concept of abiding in him. You can't abide in him if, if he's out of your thoughts 24 seven, right, if, if he, you've not even, not even thought about him, approached him, nothing, right? If you've cut him out of your life, you're not gonna, you're not gonna live in Christ Jesus. right response is of offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. And we can do this in times of worship. We can do this when the worship leader says, all right, hey guys, we're going to worship together, right? We can, we can take that as a moment that we can do a heart check and say, hey, God, have I really offered every part of myself to you, right? And sometimes when we say big things like that, it can, it, you know, we can say, I give my life to you. I give everything to you, Right? But like, will you give that little bit of unforgiveness to him? You know, will you give that little bit of selfish ambition to him? You know, that little bit of pride to him? Like be specific with this, offer every part to him and you can <laughs> praise the Lord. We, the Lord doesn't expect us to get it perfect in one go, <laughs> right? We can come back to the altar every Sunday morning, right? Every morning in our prayer closets. Late at night, when we're driving alone in our car, those can be moments that we offer more of ourselves to the Lord back in worship. Not as a transactional thing, we're trying to get righteous again, but as a, as a thank you, as a gift of gratitude to Him. And the more that we offer back to Him, the more He makes us holy, the more He sets us apart, consecrates us for His own special purpose, The more we get to drink out of that eternal life with him. What's the costly gift that we can bring before him? King David said in 2 Samuel, I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which which costs me nothing. He refuses. Somebody tried to give him a gift. Hey, just give this to God. No, (laughs) you don't understand what worship is. You don't understand what sacrifice is. It has to cost me something for it to be a valuable gift of worship. So let's stand up together and let's go to the Lord. Let's see if we can offer worship to him right now in that way. God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for resurrection power. God, that you've called us out of darkness and death and into light and life. God, we thank you for the gift that you've given us, something we didn't deserve or earn, something we haven't bought, but you've bought on our behalf and you've credited us with righteousness. We thank you. God, and in view of that incredible mercy, God, help us not to turn our backs on that and go live in the coffin again. Help us to live a life that is in Christ Jesus. Live a life that just as Jesus showed us in his example is lived for the glory of the Father. Help us, Lord. God, right now, identify something in our hearts, in our lives that we've not given to you yet and help us offer that to you right now as a gift of worship. You said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So God, right now we give you our heart. Give you our passions, our desires, our ambitions. God, the things that drive us. God, we offer that to you. We give you our soul. We give our very selves to you. Our identity we give to you. We say, call us whatever you want to call us, Lord. We'll take on whatever name you want, to take, you want us to take on. We say, we, we are who you say we are. God, we give you our mind, our thought life, our worries, our stresses, anxieties. We offer those to you we cast our burdens on you, Lord. God, we make a commitment to love your word and to have it renew our minds day by day. God help us to change our thought processes. God, and we give you our strength each and every day, the decisions we make. God, whether it's at work, whether it's with our family, Lord, whether it's free time, God, whether it's eating and drinking, may it all be done for your glory. Help us to make decisions that our dead sinful man would not make. Renew our will, renew our desires, God, so that we want to glorify you more. And God, help us to be firmly established in grace. God, as we worship, help none of it to be a striving for righteousness. God, keep us in your love. Keep us rooted and grounded in your love this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Justin, if you could just keep playing. I just... um. Jeff came forward, and anybody else who wants to respond at the altar right now, prayer team, if you could just come up and begin to pray. Um, Let's just take this opportunity to respond, to soften our hearts, to humble ourselves, to follow the lead of our humble King. Humble ourselves before him this morning and pray about these things that Peter talked about true freedom from sin. Offering our lives to Him, our whole life, that sacrifice. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As you're praying, just continue praying. I want to share a testimony. Um, you can be seated if you want because um, it just applies to this um this whole sermon perfectly. So on Tuesday, I was able to minister with Jesus Loves Kalamazoo, and I got to pray with a lot of awesome people, and this one lady that I talked to, she was really welcoming and glad we came and offered her water, and I just said, you know, what can we pray for you about? I prayed with her, and afterwards, I could just tell she didn't really know Jesus, and I said, um you know do you know do you know about jesus do you know jesus she said no and i explained um short you know quick version about jesus and i said do you want to follow him and she said no i'm not ready yet and i was like um well why is that and she said because when i decide i want to stop sinning and i don't want to stop sinning (laughs) I was like you don't. I was like, "Well, how's that going for you? Like is sinning satisfying you?" And she's like, oh, "No." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, well, don't don't wait much longer." Like, and so I was like, "Well, when you're ready." And I explained how to just like give your life to him and start following him. And um and but it was just like we have that choice, right? And and some people really are going to choose, well, I want to just, I just want to keep sinning and I don't want to live for God and be his child. I got to talk to somebody a little later in the evening who, um, uh, he, I said, do you have any, anything I can pray for you about? He's like, well, I feel selfish asking for prayer. And so I got to tell him about how much God loves it when we talk to him and is just waiting for us to pray. And then he said, but I've just messed up so many times. Like, I think he's sick of forgiving me. And, um, and so I shared about, you know, Jesus had to forgive 70 times seven. If that's how he wants his followers to forgive, how much more do you think he's ready to forgive? And I shared with him the story about the prodigal son. And he was just kept asking me questions about God. And I kept explaining it to him. And I was able to just say, you know, do you want to, do you want to follow him and give him your life? And he said, yes. And so We prayed together, and um, he did. He offered his life. And then um, another cool testimony. Just, you guys, this is how this applies in our lives. People need to hear this. We need to hear this in this room, and everybody else needs to hear this too. So you get it, and you bring it out. So this other girl, she had just gotten out of the hospital um, from trying to kill herself that day. And it was a divine appointment. I prayed for a divine appointment. I met her and I talked with her and she ended up sharing that with me. And I ended up talking to her about the value of life and how much God loves her. And very long story short, she did get saved. And um, we just broke off all those lies of the enemy that he was speaking to her. I said, what was he telling, what was going through your mind right before you did that? And, And she told me all the lies. I'm not worth the space I'm taking up. I, I haven't produced anything good in this life. And so we just broke all those off. And this is the freedom, the freedom that he set us free for. So let's live it. Let's share it guys. We can do this church.